This is Christ, Culture, and Coffee, an apologetics podcast to help equip Christians to engage the culture through biblical, critical thinking. Welcome to Christ, Culture, and Coffee. I'm Robbie Lashua, and I'm here with Tyler Hurley. Hello. Uh, We are excited about doing our second podcast ever. Uh, Today we're going to be talking about a couple of things. We want to give you an interesting coffee tip right off the bat. But then we also received an email from a listener asking a question about a theological issue in uh, the book of James and in Romans Mm -hmm. uh, about justification by faith or justification by works. So that's what we're going to be talking about. But first, coffee. Yes. Yes. <laughs> we got some interesting facts here that Robbie shared with me earlier just about, uh, I don't think a lot of people know this, but apparently you were telling me earlier that there's different ways that people roast their coffee that you can get more caffeine out of it. But then there's also this misconception about it too. Yeah. So like, what are the details behind this? So a lot of people, not everybody, but a lot of people think if you get like a dark roast, mm-hmm. um, because it tastes stronger, there's probably more caffeine in it, right? I've, I've been in line at different coffee shops and I've heard people say, oh, I need so much <laughs> caffeine, so I'm going to order the dark roast. Give me the darkest thing. Or uh, I just need a bunch of shots of espresso. Um, but actually, there's more caffeine in lighter roasted coffees. Yeah, well, what, what kind of lighter roast? Well, I mean, uh, any of the medium or light roast, it doesn't matter from where, but the idea is that um, unroasted coffee beans, because they're actually a cherry seed pit thing, right? That's what coffee is. And so when they're unroasted, they have a ton of caffeine in them, more than they do once we roast them. But they don't taste like anything. So we roast them (laughs) in order to get the flavor out of them because it it lets lets the oils kind of uh, come out. Um, But the longer you roast coffee, the less dense it gets. It gets lighter because it's losing parts of itself cool it makes sense yeah that does make sense and so the darker taste the more it's roasted the less caffeine remains in the bean so that makes sense yeah if you if you really need a lot of caffeine the best thing you can do is get a light roast yeah and that's why you were and that's why you were telling me that starbucks came out with that new that new drink uh the blonde roast the blonde roast Yeah, yeah because it's super light roast but it has more caffeine or even some places uh, I think Dutch Bros even has like green coffee. Don't they call it something like that? I didn't even know about that. Yeah, wow. and it's like a um, it's like a barely roasted, really light. It doesn't taste like much. It's light tasting because it's not roasted. But it's more caffeinated. But there's way more caffeine in it. Yeah. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah. So that's how it works. So um, for all of our listeners, if you need a lot of caffeine, get a lighter roast. It's not about how how um, it tastes. It's about how much caffeine has actually left the bean. Yeah. And the wow. weaker the taste, the more caffeine. It's, it's so weird. It seems counterintuitive. Yeah, it would think, because usually when there's more taste, that means there's more of something in it, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, with anything else. So yep. that makes sense why people would associate that with coffee. But that's cool. That's yep. cool. Yeah, it's a good tip. So. so, And if you want less caffeine, get a darker roast. Yeah, well, there if, you go. If you can stand the taste. And if you like to have a bitter drink every now and then, mm-hmm. that's good too. Yeah. But Cool. So, yeah, so we were also just going to address, we had a question that was emailed to us mm-hmm. following our first podcast, and this is the question that was asked for us to answer. And so, and I quote from this uh, listener who emailed us, uh, it says, is the word justified seen in James 2.24 meant to have the same meaning as the word justified as seen in Romans 5? I assume they are different in some way, 
but without having any experience in Greek or theology studies, how would I decipher the difference between the two, and how would I explain to someone else who argues for a works-based salvation? So basically what she's asking here is just what is the distinguishing between the word justified used in James versus justified used in Romans. So yeah. uh, so we, we were just uh, wanting to address that and just uh, give the biblical response because uh, it's a fair question. I mean... It is a good question. Yeah. Well, and people have been arguing over this for... For centuries, forever. yeah. Yeah, Martin Luther, um, he even said... Uh, he, he, he didn't like the epistle of James. Um, <laughs> I got a quote here from him. It says... Uh, Therefore, St. James' epistle is really an epistle of straw compared to these others, for it has nothing of the nature of the gospel about it. Uh, he didn't like it. The other places, he talks about throwing it out um, because he, he believed it contradicted what Paul was saying. Uh, he thought it lent itself to the Roman Catholic idea of mm-hmm. you, you do need to do works in order to be justified, in order to be saved and go to heaven uh, when you die. So yeah, we want to address that today. So why don't we start off by reading um, the two passages that she uh, she was she was talking about, James 2.24 and then Romans 5.1 and 2. Yeah, Do you want to read go. those for us, Tyler? Yeah, of course. So James 2.24 says, you see that a man is justified by works and not by faith alone. Okay, so right there. So there. It seems pretty cut and dry, right? Yeah, not by faith alone. Not, yeah, by works, not faith alone. And you can see why Martin Luther would hate that, because the whole cry of the Reformation mm-hmm. was sola scriptura, sola fide, or faith alone. Yeah, and his James, entire... <laughs> and James says not by faith alone. His entire... Yeah, Martin Luther's entire drive was to get rid of the idea of works involvement at all. Mm-hmm. And so... It would make sense why he, he would go out against James. Yeah, you could see him read that and go, wait, what are you yeah, talking yeah. about? <laughs> yep. So, and then uh, Romans 5, 1 and 2. Yeah, and then, so Romans 5, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And verse 2 says, Through whom also we have obtained an introduction by faith into his grace in which we stand, and we exult in hope of the glory of God. So clearly, James says, a man is justified by works, not by faith alone. Paul says in Romans 1, yeah. having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. That's exactly what he's saying. Yeah, <laughs> so they do seem, at face value, it does look like they are at odds with one another. Yeah, and why would we, when looking at this, this I think that it makes sense how someone appear to think this way. I mean... This is something that I mean, we were mentioning earlier, too. That's why Martin Luther was uh, protesting against the Catholic Church is because uh, the whole idea of being justified through your work. Uh, as it says, again, James 2.24, you see a man is justified by works, not by faith alone. That's Yep, and that's what the Catholic Church was teaching. Yeah, that's the, the, the drive time. of it. So that's why he was so against this idea. Mm-hmm. And so... Uh, so like, what are some other things that we should do when we're looking at passages like this when they contradict, I think, is the question. Yeah, well, um, y- you know, we want to be careful with saying a contradiction. Exactly. Maybe we're missing something. And so I want to work through some questions that we need to answer in order to get a clear understanding of what's going on here. But one of the first things, such an important aspect of studying the Bible is you should never read a Bible verse by itself. 
right? Yeah. Uh, you always want to read more than the one verse. So, you know, we just read James 2.24, but we probably should read verses before and after it to get the context of what he's talking about. Yeah. Um, because Absolutely. if if, um, if you if you heard me say a sentence and I said something like um, um, a foot, right? Yeah. You could think uh, uh, an appendage at the bottom of my leg. Mm-hmm. You could think a uh, 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 measurement, right? I yes. could be ordering a sub at Subway. A like foot you long. don't know, yeah. yeah. You don't know what I'm talking about, and so you need the whole sentence or the whole context to to place that word and to know what I mean by it. Yeah, of course. And so that's what we need to do when we when we come to scripture is never read just one verse. We need to read the context before it and after it to to understand what's going on. And so um, we, we want to read James 2, 20 through 26, right? So 24 is right in the middle of that. Yes, but it read is. read James 2, 20 through 26. So do you want to go ahead and, and read that portion of Scripture? Yeah, so these are just the first couple of verses before, and then we'll, it'll also be the first couple after. So starting at verse 20, it says, But you are willing to recognize, you foolish fellow, that faith without works is useless. Was not Abraham, our father, justified by works when he offered up Isaac, his son, on the altar? You see that faith was working with his works, and as a result of the works, faith was perfected. And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, And Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. And so you see that a man is justified by works and not by faith alone. In the same way... Was not Rahab the herlet also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? And so for just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. So this is a really interesting passage. He, he says a lot of things uh, here uh, about an example with Abraham and with Rahab and the works that they did mm-hmm. that James is claiming um, justified them. Yeah, right. That's that's, that's, what he's saying. that's the key. So he says <clears throat> that Abraham, our father, he asks the question: Was not he justified? And the implied answer is, yes, he was justified. It is. Right? He says in verse twenty-three, quoted by the way, and Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Yeah, and see, but we don't want to equate that with the work he did, and this is an important distinction. He's saying Abraham was justified by works when he was willing to, to um, sacrifice Isaac on the altar, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so he explains, you see, faith is working with his works, and as a result of the works, faith was perfected. And then he says, and the scripture was fulfilled, which says Abraham believed God and was credited to him as righteousness. So this is interesting. Where does it say, and Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness? Where does it say that? Yeah, where in the Bible? I'm not expecting you to know. Well, yeah. I'm, yeah, uh, posing no, the was, question. Yeah, exactly. It's well, in Genesis 15, verse 6. Yeah, exactly. So what, what's happening in Genesis 15, 6? Is that when he's... That's when it happens. Is that when he's sacrificing Isaac? No, not there. Not no. there. No. But... So that's interesting. So before Abraham sacrifices, or is willing to sacrifice Isaac, mm-hmm. he's already justified based on belief. Yeah, so that's just, important. Yeah, just like verse 23. Yeah. So, it was. so he's saying Abraham was willing to sacrifice Isaac, but it was fulfilled. Scripture was fulfilled 
when it said, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. So this is interesting. James is saying that Abraham was already righteous before he was willing to sacrifice Isaac, because that doesn't happen until Genesis chapter 22. That's true. Yeah, that's right. So so that's important. So, so we got to go, okay, what's going on here? Then he gives us the second example of Rahab, and he says, in the same way, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? And this is obviously talking about the book of Joshua, when Joshua sent the spies into Jericho. Yeah, that's right. And they stayed at Rahab's place, and she lied about them being there, and she let them escape. And and it's interesting because James is taking like the most important forefather of Judaism, right? Abraham is every... Uh, is is the granddaddy Jewish man. Yeah. He's who he the Jewish nation came from. <laughs> and then he's taken a Canaanite prostitute. That's a good comparison. It is interesting. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's kind of showing the, this this extreme, uh, you know, ends of diff- the different spectrums. You've got Abraham and Rahab, and both are justified by works. So um, it's interesting to think about, okay, did Paul just not realize this? Did Paul not understand James' position, you know, maybe they didn't know each other. Maybe Paul had never read the book of James. Maybe, mm-hmm. you know, he didn't know this position. So if we dig a little bit deeper, um, we, we want to ask, well, when was the book of, of James written? That's a valid question when comparing this. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. important. And so uh, a man by the name of Dan Wallace, who is um, a, a phenomenal textual scholar. Uh, He's at Dallas uh, Theological Seminary. Um, He said that James was probably written pre-50s, so in the 40s AD. Uh, I've even heard some people talk about how James was probably the first New Testament book written. Yeah, that's what it it said. And it's an interesting book because it's so practical. Mm-hmm. Right, it's just about here's you know don't let your tongue get away with you. Don't show uh, favoritism. Don't. It's it's very practical on on Christian living. So James was probably written in the forties, and uh, Romans wasn't written until probably around fifty seven A.D. Yeah, and that's so, that's right. Yeah, so we've got at least you know if James wrote in forty nine at the latest, yeah, we've got that's, at least eight years. That's a pretty interesting gap it is an interesting gap yeah and so you go okay would there have been enough time would paul have known about uh james and what he wrote yeah because we do know he knows about luke he paul quotes luke and calls it scripture actually um peter knows about paul's writings and calls it scripture and so does paul know about the book of james and and call it scripture um or did paul at least know james yeah, that's a that's true. Because uh, the thing is, is he could have known him, and he could have at least because if James wrote his entire book based mm-hmm. on based on this entire uh, presupposition that it, faith is justified by works, mm-hmm. uh, then Paul would have at least known that from how James lived his life. Mm-hmm. He would have known James' theology. He would have known James' theology yeah, if he had known him in this e- essence. Yeah, and, yeah, and and it's important too to understand which James is this. Yeah. This isn't James, the brother of John, right? Nope, you know, the not. sons of Zebedee, the apostles, or the disciples of Jesus. This isn't that James. This is James, Jesus' half-brother. Yes. Uh, that's that's who wrote the book of James, and, and that James became the head of the church in Jerusalem. So you talk about probably someone Paul would want to know. <laughs> well, <laughs> probably yeah, an important of course it figure, is. right? And what do we have? Is there any evidence 
of Paul knowing James. Well, yeah, we were just talking about this earlier. Uh, it's seen exactly like right here in uh, Galatians 1, 18 through 20. Yeah, you want to read that for us? Yeah, sure. He says, Then three years later, I went up to Jerusalem and became acquainted with Cephas and stayed with him 15 days. But I did not see any other of the apostles except James, the Lord's brother. Now in what I am writing to you, I assure you before God that I am not lying. He's so, pretty emphatic so, there. so do you think they ever met? I mean, <laughs> I think they did. You know what's interesting? Tyler? So, so Paul's writing Galatians. He says, I went up to Jerusalem. And this is after uh, his encounter with Jesus, right? He says, Jesus came on the road to Damascus and, and blinded me and said, why are you Yeah, that's what he's me? saying. And he says, three years later, I went up to check things out with Cephas. And that's, that's Peter. Uh, mm-hmm. that's, that Cephas is his given name. But he's talking about Peter. And then he says, and I saw James, the Lord's brother. Um, there's a um, agnostic scholar, Bart Ehrman, and mm-hmm. he believes that this passage was legitimately written by the Apostle Paul and that he did know Jesus' brother, James. Yeah, and so it is. Even, even the agnostic acknowledges this is a legitimate letter of Paul. Yeah, Galatians is usually like one of the most credited, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah there's seven undisputed letters. That, That's what I was that thinking. Most New Testament scholars, no matter how skeptical, accept. And Galatians is one of them. That's right. And That's I've actually right. heard Bart Ehrman argue that Paul knew Peter and Paul knew Jesus' brother James. Because he because had to. This. Yeah, because yeah. he says it, but it's, it's, a, it's a legitimate book historically even to the agnostic, which is important for of us. Of course it is. I mean, you gotta think too, like, it's crazy to think that he he wouldn't know him after reading that because he mm-hmm. he's so descriptive and he even swears before God yeah, that he I'm is not, not lying. lying to you. I assure you before God, I am not lying is what he says. So he's being emphatic mm-hmm. here, right? So he, he knows James. He knows Peter. And so the question becomes, well, maybe he just like misunderstood the gospel. That's maybe, a good question. Maybe Paul... Maybe, maybe that's a... He the, messed it up, right? Where you can go. He was away. He met these guys, and then, you know, he was doing his missionary thing, and he just kind of got off track with the gospel. So yeah. that's a possibility, except for the fact of what Paul says in Galatians chapter 2. He says it right after that, yeah. Yeah, so Galatians... Uh, let me read these. Galatians 2, 1 through mm-hmm. 2, and 7 through 9. Paul says, Then after an interval of 14 years... I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along also. It was because of a revelation that I went up. Listen to what he says here. And I submitted to them the gospel which I preach among the Gentiles. But I did so in private to those who were of reputation for fear that I might be running or had run in vain. Mm. What's going on here? So he met three years after his conversion. He meets James and, and Peter and talks to them about truth and about Jesus. Mm-hmm. He then goes out on all these missionary journeys. He's writing epistles. And then 14 years later, he goes, I got to go back up and make sure I've got it right. Yeah, he doesn't want to <laughs> mess up. Yeah. yeah. He says, I, I, so I asked him in private because I was, it says, for fear that I might be running or I had run in vain. Maybe I've got the wrong gospel. Maybe I'm lying to people. Maybe I'm not telling the truth. Yeah, and so he went to go compare it. That he went to it. go make sure with yeah. the authorities, right, with the guys in Jerusalem. That was the important part of it. Because, yep. And then, yeah. and then let's look at what it says in verses, uh, so this is still Galatians chapter 2, verses 7 yeah. through 9. So he presents them with the gospel to make sure he hadn't been running in vain. 
Mm-hmm. And he says, but on the contrary, seeing that I had been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been to the circumcised, for he who effectually worked for Peter in his apostleship to the circumcised effectually worked for me also to the Gentiles. Verse 9, and recognizing the grace that had been given to me, James and Cephas, which is Peter, and John, who were reputed to be pillars, gave to me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship so that we might go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. Hmm. So what's going on here? James, Jesus' brother, Peter, and John say, Paul, you got it. Yes, that's the gospel. What you've been preaching is what we've been saying so all along. So they agree. And then they commission yeah. him, yeah, keep going out on missionary trips. Like, we are we are in agreement with you. The right hand of fellowship. They right? want to push him on. He's doing good. They're, they're even saying, too, like, like he's doing well. Yes, with he's this doing yeah. well. So, that's, so this is, what's the big picture here? Well, Paul knew James. Mm-hmm. He would have known what James wrote down and what the church was reading from James. He did, yeah. But James says, no, Paul, the gospel you're preaching is right. So they claim we're on the same page. So maybe we need to really dig deep into what does it mean in James for justification and what does Paul mean for justification? We're missing something if they're on the same page. Yeah, because if if they're both saying here that... Paul knew James personally. Mm-hmm. They were on the exact same page, and it's clear that there's something missing. And so, yeah, and it's it probably goes, us that's missing. It is, yeah. <laughs> and it goes back to to what you said before at the beginning of the, uh, this podcast, as you said, never read a Bible verse, yes, without reading the rest of the passages around it, and to get the context of what they're talking about. Yep, absolutely. So let's do that. Let's go back to Romans because Paul talks about. Romans all over the place, or it talks about justification in Romans a lot. So let's go back to Romans chapter 3. All right. And see um, what what Paul says about justification. So uh, you want to read Romans 3, 28 through 30? Yeah. And so Paul says here, for we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from the work of the law. Or is it God, the God of the Jews only? Is he not the God of the Gentiles also? Yes, of course, Gentiles also. Since indeed God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith is one. So this is really interesting. That verse totally contradicts James 2.24. James says, Mm -hmm. you see that a man is justified by works, not by faith alone. Romans 3.28 says, For we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. So th- mm-hmm. something is going on here because they can't, if, if they both mean the same thing by justified, they're contradicting each other. They would be, yes. Um, and I think it's interesting where Paul says, For we maintain. Who's the we? That's a good question. It is a good question. Could it be yeah. that he's saying, We apostles? We, meaning me, we. Peter, James, John, the other apostles. Yeah, other than that, let's think, though, like, who could this we be? Yeah. No, I can't think of anybody else, because, like, like... I think he's saying that authoritatively. It would this be. is our message. Because they're the ones who were... They were traveling together. They were talking together. That's the only yep. context that we would be, would be the apostle. So he's saying... And this is what's interesting what about attained. this, Tyler, is if he wrote Romans in 57 A.D., this is after he'd gone up to Jerusalem the first time, 
three years after, after his conversion went. and after he went up the second time. Mm-hmm. So he's heard James the first time. He's heard James, Peter, and John give him the right hand of fellowship. And he's saying, this is the gospel that we maintain. Yeah. See, he's saying we're all he's, on the same page He's here. He's crediting the rest of the apostles with this as valid sources to confirm so. that what he's preaching is the truth. Yep, and he says that in Galatians through we're all on the same page, right hand of he fellowship. Does. Yeah. And then he's preaching this idea of justified by faith apart from the works of the law. So what are we missing here? I think that the key to understanding this is in Romans 4, 1 through 5. Yeah. All right, so do you want to read that, Romans 4, 1 through 5? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, it says, What then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh, is found? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? And he quotes, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, his wage is not credited as favor, but... As what is due. But to the one who does not work, but believes in him, who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited as righteousness. So, this is an interesting passage. <clears throat> Do you see that Paul is using the exact same example that James used to say that man is justified? He's using the exact same example. By not by faith alone, but it's, also by it's works. quoted word for word. Like I could, I have it right here. So like James uh, two twenty three, he says, "And Scripture was fulfilled, which says, and Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned him as righteousness." And they're both quoting it's that the exact same. Genesis fifteen six verse. Yeah, they are. Okay, so what is going on? And and is Paul by doing this showing me and James are on the same page? but we're just talking about two different things. I think they were. I think he is too. I think that's exactly what Paul's trying to show by using the exact same example. So the key comes in when he says, um, what shall we say that Abraham our forefather according to the flesh has found? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about. But not and he, Yeah, but not before God. That's the key phrase. So Abraham isn't justified by works before God because you have to believe and that's what he says scripture says he believed God and that's what was credited to him as righteousness that's what justified Abraham was his belief in God he's saying he's saying too also that works is not something to boast about before God God doesn't think that works are worth boasting about yep that's what he's saying well in in Ephesians 2 8 9 right for by grace you've been saved through faith it's not of yourself it's a gift of God not by works, why? Lest any man yeah, should lest boast. Anyone, yeah, lest you, you boast. He, Paul's saying the same thing in Ephesians as he's saying here in Romans 4. So what is James saying then? Well, who it, can you boast about your works before? Well, who, I guess man. That'd be yes. the only, the, that would be the only thing other than God is by boasting before men. Yep, and that's exactly what Paul's saying, that Abraham was justified by his works. He has something to boast about, but not before God. So he has something to boast about yeah. before who? Before men. Before men. Because he's living a righteous lifestyle. Yep. That's what, that's what it was implying. And that's what James is saying, is that Abraham was justified to us. We mm-hmm. saw that, that Abraham was legitimately a believer in God because of his works. And that's why he says um, in, in, in James chapter 2, yeah. and scripture was fulfilled. 
right? Scripture was fulfilled, which says Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Because we saw his works. And I, I think that that's interesting. So James is talking about works is important because all we've got to know each other, uh, all we have to, to go off of, if, if you, you can say you're saved, but how do I know you're saved? Yeah. Well, I, I kind of see your character. I see what you do. Plus, works is useful to people, right? And, and James says that earlier in his letter. He says, if you see someone who's, who's in need of food and clothes and you just say, <laughs> I'll pray for you, what are you doing? <laughs> like, doing you're not helping them. Yeah, what use is that? And so faith without works is useless, is what he says. It is. That's what he's saying. And, and then, I like, I like what you said too, but, and then when you go back and you look at the verses and you put them together, again, after getting the context of thinking in mind that James is talking about works before men, you see like in 23 and 24, which again, remember tw- verse 24 was the, the verse addressed in the question. This is James 2? Yeah, James 2. Okay. When you, uh, James 2, 23 and 24 said, and the scripture was fulfilled which says Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. So right there, he affirms Abraham is righteous because he believed God. Before his but, works. Yeah, it, that's right. He was righteous in Genesis 15 before he was willing to sacrifice Isaac in Genesis 22. He was, exactly. And then that's what he goes on to say. And then he said, that's why it follows because the works came later. Yep. And he said that you see a man is justified by works and not by faith alone. That's because it, that came after the passage where they just said, just, uh, that Abraham was already justified based off of his uh, righteousness. Yep. And that's yeah. why he's justified before men Yeah, based exactly. on his that's, works. That's the entire idea. There's another verse that I think, I think plays into this. Um, you remember in 1 Samuel when mm-hmm. God told uh, the prophet uh, Samuel to go and anoint David, right? Yes. He said, go to the house of Jesse and I'll point out to you who's going to be the king. And so he goes, and he Jesse lines all his kids up, right, all the guys, and he and Samuel goes to the first one, and he prays, Lord, is this the guy? He looks like a king, right? He's <laughs> yeah. strong, he's big. And God's like, no, that's not him. And he keeps going down the line to younger, 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 and he runs out. And God's like, it's not any of these guys. And then Samuel says to Jesse, do you got any other sons? Like, what's going on? And Jesse goes, well, yeah, I mean, I got one more, like the youngest, but he's like a little kid. He's out with the sheep. Surely that can't be. Who God yeah, wants. that's not the king. Nathan says, get him. So he calls him, and the Lord says, that's the guy. <laughs> and this is really interesting. 1 Samuel 16, 7 says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at the height of his stature, because I have uh, rejected him. Right? Mm-hmm. For God sees not as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Interesting. This is important for us because God knows when people believe. God knows when people are justified through their trust in him. But I don't know that. I look on the outward appearance. That is (laughs) how we can tell. That's the only way that man can tell is by outward appearance. And usually people will use that verse to say, don't judge me because God knows my heart. (laughs) Well, but it's also saying all I've got to go off of is outward appearance. That's all that you can do. That is all I can do. And so I, I think... I think to answer the question uh, from this listener, James is talking about justification before men, and Paul is talking about justification before God. They mm-hmm. both were on the same page. Paul says that he met with James at least twice, says that James said, yeah, you've got it. We've, we're sharing the same gospel. 
And then Paul alludes to what James had written, which makes me think he'd read it. I mean, that would make sense. Yeah, (laughs) but then explains, but not before God. What James is talking about is a different thing than I'm talking about. That's what he's explaining in Romans chapter 4. And so um, I think that the answer is James is talking about justification before men. Paul's talking about justification before God. Before God. Yeah. Yeah. And so to answer this question that that this uh, person emailed to us, she said, how would I explain to someone else who argues for a works-based salvation? Yeah, that's a good question because funny thing is, too, I was actually even having a conversation with some people about this last week. And Mm -hmm. um, uh, it's just – it's something that people are rattled with a lot when they see this because a lot of people are wondering, how do I have assurance that I have salvation? Because if – James 2.24 is saying that I'm justified by works. Mm -hmm. Then how do I know uh, where the line is? I've done enough work or not. Yeah, how do I know if I've done enough work or not? Like, where's the line to get me to heaven? Because, And honestly, if you really think about it, this is a much more powerful God, that we have a God that can pay for all of our sin and our debts Mm -hmm. rather than just pay for some to where we would have to work for it. Yeah, and and that's and that's where the, the the Catholic theology, you know, they say that that we've been forgiven our sins to a point, but then we have to atone for other sins that we keep doing, and so yeah, you have to go to mass every morning and get communion from the priest because that is giving you more righteousness. Yeah, that it is. is infusing. That's their word. It infused righteousness of Jesus, and so you have to walk in line and gain more grace. Which isn't grace at that point. It's not because then it's Yeah, but you're yeah. gaining more credit through works. And we would say, no, Jesus did all the work. And it's not about works to get into heaven. It's not about works to get justified. It's about belief. And I think when you read James 2 and you read Romans 3 and 4, uh, when you read Ephesians 2, right? When you mm-hmm. read Galatians and he explains the gospel, they're all on the same page, that to be justified before God, to get righteous before God, happens through belief. But um, to be justified before men comes through our works. People know that we've believed through how they observe us living our life. Of course, it happens through how we live, how we interact with people, Mm because otherwise there's no implication that you are. uh, Yeah, you couldn't tell. I mean, you wouldn't know who is or who isn't. Plus, I mean, James point two is like, what good is it to other people if you're that's, not doing work? That's why he's saying your faith is dead because it's being useless. Yeah, it's youth, It's useless. Yep. It's it's how how's God getting glory from your life? Yeah, and that's, if you're not sharing the gospel, if you're not loving people, if you're not serving others, it is. Yeah, and so that's why that's why I think uh, James is actually like s- a, such an important book, and that's mm-hmm. why we kept it in the biblical canon too, is because the whole idea of this is he's trying to push and give emphasis on this that no we. Don't let your faith be useless. Go out and do something with that. Yep. Show people how you are living your life for the Lord. Be one with Christ and to be uh, just be living an active and healthy mm-hmm. faith-filled lifestyle. Yeah, that's that's I mean, the whole message. The book of James, he's the guy who says, don't just be hearers of the word. Be doers. Be doers of the word, of the word yes. right? And he, it's interesting because he's echoing what his brother, Jesus, said in in um, in the Gospels. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my, keep commandments. my commandments. He says that. Right? That's right. He doesn't say, he doesn't say, if you want to go to heaven, 
keep, keep my, my commandments. commandments. Yes. <laughs> yeah. He's that's, a, that's if a you, great if point. you want to show love to me, and that's what James is, is after. He's saying, okay, guys, now we're, we're Christians. How do we live our lives? How do we live useful lives for the Lord? Well, yeah. we don't show favoritism. We try to control our tongue. We become doers of the word, not just hearers. And through our works, we are justified before men. But Paul says, mm-hmm. but we're not justified before God through our works. That only can come through trust, through belief, through faith yeah. in what he did for us. And James and Paul are on the same page, I think. So I'm they glad are, Martin Luther sense. didn't have the last word in ripping James out of it's the not, Bible. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a good thing because, uh, I mean, it really is useful. Like, I, I, I mean, like, I encourage like, uh, our listeners to, like, if you go through and like, read through the entire book of James, uh, you can see that that's the whole drive of the book. Yep. That's, that's his purpose. He's, he's just trying to get people to feel the weight of mm-hmm. what their faith is worth and that they can do something with that. To, to the world for the glory of God. Yep. That's the whole idea. And the, the idea that we are saved because of all the work Jesus did for us and that it's just through grace we receive this gift. Um, there's no other religion in the world that has that ideology. There's, there's no not, other world. Yeah. There, everything else, Islam is about you work for it. And if you have 51% good when you get before Allah, then you might yeah. get in. Might uh, get in. Mormonism yeah. is about if you want to get to the highest level of heaven the celestial right the celestial Celestial kingdom kingdom. then you have to do all these works and be a good mormon uh buddhism is about no you've got to desire not to desire and you've got to meditate and you've got to become one with the one right hinduism workspace all of the world's religions are about what man can do to gain salvation and Christianity is about what Jesus did to give salvation. It is. And then that's the thing, too, is like with all those different ideas and all those different beliefs and world religions, you can't rest easy at night knowing that your salvation is secure, where you're going to end up. No. It's, it's all over the place. Because like, you have to know that there's if there was a works base in our salvation, mm-hmm. you have to, there has to be a defining point of how much work gets you in. Yeah. There has to be. Yeah, and at least Muslims have that. They say 51%. They do, yeah. And then, I mean, they'll even say, too, that that even isn't yeah, always Yeah, Allah the case. might not like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but at least they have a marker. But with so many of these other religions, it's like, yeah, I just hope I'm doing enough. And you're yeah. like, man, if that's what your assurance is based on. But I, I can be, I can sleep well at night knowing that Jesus perfectly fulfilled all of the work I could never do. Yeah. Because he was perfect, and he took my punishment, and he was infinitely Priceless, and that's that's also why I mean, like his uh, his last words on the cross uh, to Telestai, it is finished. It's, it's done. Finished. He did it, and that's where our assurance has to be found in his work. Because if mm-hmm. I'm if I'm looking to me being a good person to 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 make sure I'm really saved, man, there's some days where I feel okay about it, and then there's a lot of days where I don't feel okay about it. There are, yeah. It's it's a bad indicator uh, of my assurance if I look to my works are my sanctification but if i look to jesus works then it's complete and it's done and i can rest in the fact that i have eternal life because i believed in the son yeah yep that's good well i hope this helped you out today um if you have any questions that you'd like us to tackle um please feel free to to email us Uh, you can email me at robby at dscchurch.com that's robby at dscchurch.com. We would love to answer any questions that you have in our future podcast, mm-hmm. but we hope today was beneficial for you. 
Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, if you are a believer in Jesus, rest assured in the fact that he completed it, and you're justified, you're legally declared righteous because of his work. And, and if you're out there and you're not a believer in Jesus, uh, you need to take seriously the claims that he made, that he died for you, that mm. he died in your place, that he loved you enough to take your punishment on his body and kill it on a cross, securing your eternal life for you. Yeah, that's the way. That's the only way. That is the only way. So, well, thanks for listening. We will see you next time on Christ, Culture, and Coffee. Yeah, thank you very much. You have been listening to Christ, Culture, and Coffee, a podcast ministry of Desert Springs Community Church in Goodyear, Arizona. For more information, visit our website at dscchurch.com.